I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi everyone, I'm Jason Ballara and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today I'm here with Blake Daly. Blake began investing in real estate with large renovations on storm-damaged homes after a Category 5 hurricane ripped through his market. Uh, sounds like an interesting story. Um, Blake has a actually extremely interesting bio. There's there's a few really great topics that we're going to dive into. But but first, Blake, I just want to say thank you for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate having you. Yeah, Jason, thanks for having me. We're kicking the new year off strong here, diving into yeah. some real estate topics. And yeah, excited <laughs> for it. It's a perfect way to get started. Um, let's start. Just let's let's get your background. Tell us about yourself and kind of. You're starting real estate and and you know we'll we'll kind of dive in from there. Yeah, for sure. So I got started investing in real estate at my first duty station when I commissioned as an Air Force officer. I'm still in the Air Force. I got a year left. Um, but got to Panama City Beach of all places, and I didn't know where my wife and I were going. Well, I guess we we're about to be married in like a week, but we didn't know where we were gonna go after our wedding. We we're driving on I-70 and got the text message said, Hey, you guys are going to Florida. I was like, That's great. And uh, we show up in Panama City and it looks like an absolute war zone because they had a massive category five hurricane there, I think eight or nine months before we got in. So um a lot of down businesses, holes in roofs, down trees, just a lot of devastation in that area. Um, but what a great opportunity to start investing in real estate. So before we ever moved into our first house, we were living in like the temporary lodging on base. And I remember um, I would go to like the library and print out a bunch of direct to seller um, like marketing pieces like, hey, I want to buy your house type of thing. And then I would write on the envelopes and my wife would do the address and put the, um, the return address and put the stamps. We'd put like 50 or 100 in the mail um, every week. And before we we moved into our first house. Um, started going on these appointments with sellers, you know, keep in mind, this is my first time ever doing this, not, you know, very green behind the ears and just kind of figuring out uh, as we're going. And, um, you know, we use our VA loan as well. So while that stuff was going, we're doing this direct to seller marketing and got into that side and started off with a fully, fully damaged um, hurricane house, like holes in the roof, busted out windows, everything was waterlogged and it was, um, yeah, that's how we got started. <laughs> Nice. So uh, you must, something must have happened that, I mean, I guess you could say it's fortuitous that you moved to a hurricane ravaged area, but, but something must have happened to to make you say, I'm going to the library and starting this, you know, sort of direct like what, what gave, what put that idea in your head? Um, I think there's just like a lot of built up uh, potential of wanting to get started because I, you know, I went to the Air Force Academy and while you're there, you can't like own property or invest in real estate, really. So I was just I knew that I wanted to get into it. You know, I was I was big into bigger pockets at the time, listening to the podcast, you know, reading books around it and just preparing to hit the ground running when I had the chance. Um, and then, you know, kind of figured out the the wholesale route of 
okay, you know, cause being in that, that, that position of not having a lot of money, I wanted to find out how I could build up some momentum, build up some cash and focus on, you know, the buy and hold rental strategy that I wanted to do. And just fortuitously, I got into, um, into the burst strategy because of the nature of the market. I went into like everything was a rehab. You couldn't really find, um, rehabbed homes at the time. Um, so we we're able to combine a lot of that. And I just, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to get in the game and, you know, I was a, I was a, a division one athlete. So I played football at the air force Academy and like, that's a very all in type of thing. And that's just my kind of personality. Like when I do something, I want to be the best at it and learn it, you know, and get better at it. The there's um, I, I think fulfillment in, in that for the, for the growth and the grind. So it was very, you know, I think business is very comparable to sports in that fashion where I could just, you know, use that, the drive I have, you know, that uh, benefited me in football and all those kind of things. And we just got into it, started fast. So the, the first properties that you were going after, these are, you were, these were burrs or you, were you flipping them or doing both or how did your, what strategy did you start with? And then I know you said wholesale, but the market didn't work. What strategy did you start with? How did that evolve? So we really tried a lot really fast. Um, so before we ever got to Florida, we were uh, looking at houses on Zillow, you know, found a local real estate agent through Bigger Pockets, who I'm, you know, still good friends with today. And he's kind of the guy to know in the market. But um, I, we found one and it had a house and a guest house. And I was, you know, originally looking for a house hack, you know, live in one unit, rent, rent the others. And this was one of the better deals I found. It was actually one of, you know, the renovated homes so that we could move in and not have to do a whole lot and kind of focus on, you know, getting our investments and actually have a decent place to live. Because, you know, my wife starting out did not want to go live in a, a fixer upper. So this house had a little um, guest unit that we rented on on Airbnb. So that was kind of like our our base level was kind of use the VA loan, get in 0% down, something with an extra unit where we can get our uh, mortgage and our living expenses covered. And we, the reason we really loved Airbnb after, you know, some time was because we actually cash flowed to live there for free. We made like a hundred or 200 bucks a month after paying like all the expenses, which is awesome to get a first deal like that. But before that one was closing, um, like I was saying, I was writing these direct to seller letters and driving for dollars. So I was finding, you know, places that were close to the base. Cause I thought that would be one of the areas that would build up the soonest because that's one of the biggest employers in the area. Um, they, they fly the new, or at the time the F 22s now the F 35s and there's just a lot going on at that base. And there was a ton of reconstruction rebuilding. So you've got contractors, all the, you know, the different vendors and, um, support personnel that come along with that. So I knew that area around the base would do really well. Um, and it did. So we started looking in that area and mostly burrs to start with. I've only done one flip ever. It was like a break even flip um, just because the the um, the numbers on the front end weren't that great. And I was, you know, just trying to get a deal. And I would honestly like that flip of a break even flip, you know, I learned as much as like any profit at the time would have been worth. So sure. that was still good. But focusing on the on the um on the burrs was big for us. And in the meantime, you know, we'd go to the real estate meetups, meet different people and found kind of my first mentors in the market that I was doing these rehabs with, cause I was the the hustler and the grinder and they had, you know, the, the experience and the money to do the rehab. So we fit together there really well. And they also ran a wholesaling business. So, you know, after, after leaving um, my job at base, I'd, you know, in the evenings or on weekends, 
go on more appointments with sellers, you know, negotiate at the kitchen table or in the living room and got really good at, um, doing direct to seller deals. So did, um, did lease options, did seller financing, did, you know, partnerships, all this kind of stuff, uh, for the buy and holds and, and was really like marketing to get the best deals and was wholesaling, wholesaling them. If, if me or my partners didn't want to keep them. And then also marking for myself, like finding, sending very specific, like mailing groups of, you know, 50 to hundred a week for this like house and guest house strategy, which we, uh, we found a lot of success with early on in Florida. Very cool. Very cool. I know from your bio, I know from, from, uh, knowing your background a little bit, I, I know you then scaled. So maybe walk us through that evolution, right? So there's, you know, the, the sort of the, the single family burr strategy, you know, wholesaling, flipping all of that rolls into that sort of residential side of it. If you've got a guest mm -hmm. unit, great, but I know you then, you know, kind of moved up, uh, in terms of unit count from there. So yeah. talk about how that came to be. Yeah. So all that stuff I was just talking about was really in like our first three <clears throat> to six months in Florida, like in back-to-back -back months, we closed our first three houses and they were like strangely almost like a month to the day apart. So like month one, month two, month three, close three houses, which was awesome. Um, so we got, we got through a lot really fast because the, the market was really ready for it and we're doing the right things. Like we didn't know, I didn't know how to do everything correctly, but I just knew like if I put out the letters or I went out to the appointments, if I did all those things, like, you know, kind of fill in the top of the funnel, you'll get more success at the bottom of the funnel with closed deals. And after about a year, I think we had, um, in about that year time frame, we had about 11 residential units and had actually got to the point where we replaced um, my W-2 income because my wife was still getting her doctorate at the time. So we replaced my income with our like passive net, like net cash flow of, of all our rentals, which consisted of um, some multi-unit short-term rentals and some, you know, um, single family long-term rentals and, and duplex long-term rental. So I had 11 units at the time, surpassed the W-2 income. And that was like my five-year goal, you know, going into the Air Force thing, I had this five-year commitment. I wanted to be at that point in five years, but it happened in one year. So then I got to, then I started to think bigger, like uh, just completing my five-year goal in one year. So what could I do if I actually was intentional about, um, you know, pursuing this growth, taking all these lessons learned and going up to a bigger scale. And from that point, got into commercial multifamily, found some mentors there. And really just dove in like all the things I'd been doing, you know, looking at wholesaling, negotiating with sellers turned into, you know, talking with brokers, finding passive investors, analyzing deals, you know, looking for deals and screening them and all those different th kind of things you have to do in the multifamily game. And that led to uh, about eight months of that, just grinding at it while this, while we're finishing up our last residential rehabs, you know, while we're just kind of running that business and it's pretty passive at the time. Um, closed our first apartment syndication uh, at the beginning of 2021 with some partners and um, yeah, jumped into the commercial space. Cool. You're so I was I'm glad you sort of mentioned time frame because I was going to ask you when this kind of when this had all started for you, but so you, you got into commercial cl closed multifamily um, and I know that you have um, also invested in, in the boutique hotel space. So mm -hmm. Talk about that a little bit. Like I said, before we started recording, I haven't really, I've, I've known a few people that are in there, but, but more peripherally, and I, I haven't really talked to anybody about it on the podcast. So I'm actually very interested. And I think the, the listeners will find that really cool as well. Yeah, absolutely. So 
I guess backing up, I said at the beginning of last year, but I'm not used to it being 2023 yet. So this was really like two years ago at the very beginning yeah. of 2021. And uh, if you remember at that time, like the multifamily market was getting really, really tight. That's when all the institutional money started coming. The cap rate started compressing and it started getting really hard to find deals. And you're competing against institutional investors, yeah. you know, especially like even in tertiary markets, especially secondary markets, it was getting really hard. Um, for me anyway, to source multifamily deals, cause I wasn't, you know, um, established, right. You know, I had done one deal and didn't have the credibility or the funding, you know, to really compete on some of these, the, these deals. And it just got so competitive, even the ones that they wouldn't have looked at in 2020, they were starting to look at and close in, in 2021. So I started to look at, you know, what, what were my skill sets at the time? I think, you know, like relationships and raising money was one of them finding deals, um, and, and sourcing deals and then kind of putting all, all that together, the pieces together to close the deal were kind of my skills at the time. So I was looking at the experience real estate wise, you know, had got into commercial, learned that really well, had uh, uh, had ran and operated our own short-term rental business all the way down to like the cleaning when we first started, you know, messaging guests and, you know, built our tech stack over time, our, you know, awareness of what just short-term rental guests expect, at least in our market. So I was like, how can I kind of marry these two skills? And at first, you know, I started looking at other commercial deals, um, like hospitality assets that could potentially be converted to multifamily, like find a, you know, 120, 140 unit hotel, you know, through a big renovation, which I was, you know, which would have been huge at the time, but I was comfortable with doing that because I did the same thing for the Air Force, you know, buying and managing contracts and all that stuff. Um, so I was looking for those. And in the midst of that, found this little eight unit in Fort Walton Beach, about an hour and a half away from me. Um, that was multifamily, but um, in a commercial zoning district where it could be rented a short term rental. And I was like, wow, I have eight short term rentals right now in Panama City. I buy this one, they'd all be in one location and kind of, you know, get the benefits of multifamily as you, you and I know them. Like you have, you know, a single, a single product, you have all your units in one uh, location. And it just makes it a little bit more scalable and you have economies of scale rather than having eight units spread out. You have these eight right here, laundry on site. So you could do your whole operation there. Sure. So this was early 2021, got that one seller finance. And that really kicked off um, our boutique hotel business. I bought that one myself. And then my partner and I at the time, or I guess became my partner. We partnered up on the, uh, the multifamily deal, the 66 unit. And I went to college together, good friends. And decided to start like, you know, let's look for more of these boutique hotels, uh, commercial multifamilies really crowded. There's a lot less competition in the marketplace, especially then because, you know, we're in the um, the waning effects of COVID. Hospitality still took a hit and not many people uh, were interested in that asset class. But, you know, we knew the potential of it. The income potential was much more than the, uh, the multifamily at the time, both from like a cash flow and equity growth perspective. So we jumped into that. And um, I think over the next six months, we bought three more. We packaged those in one in one portfolio, two in Panama City, in uh, Panama City, Florida, Panama City Beach, and in South Lake Tahoe, California. And then through, you know, our renovations, talking to people about this, meeting more people in our market. Um, I talked to you before this was doing the podcast at the time. And we, somebody had done that podcast with, um, got me on to or he had kind of this deal lead that they weren't going to end up pursuing in South Lake Tahoe. So then we got our second one. 
So now I've got the five boutique hotels across those three different markets. You, and you don't live in Florida anymore, right? No, we just moved to Utah for my, uh, for my last assignment here okay. in the Air Force. So, I mean, let's, the, the purchase of these things, probably not that different than, I mean, even there are differences in between residential and commercial purchases, but ultimately like the, the deal acquisition side seems like that's, that's almost like your superpower. You, you're, you're good with the um, relationships and direct marketing and all of that. What about when it came to, so you bought this, you can, you know, start with the first one or whatever, but like you bought this eight unit and did it, did it need a lot of renovations? Right. So if we're going to run it as a, as a short-term rental or, or a hotel, it, everything's got to be furnished every, right. So if you're not buying it that way, then my assumption is there was a lot of capital that had to go into, you know, sort of renovations and, and furnishing and making, making it a place that people want to come to. Yeah. So this one was a huge renovation. You know, my, um, just being naive at the time, I thought it would be, you know, a respectable rehab, you know, go in, redo the kitchenettes, you know, new plumbing fixtures, new light fixtures, paint, you know, flowing, that kind of thing, you know, like a more of a cosmetic rehab and then refurnish it, paint the outside and make it look really nice and kind of this boutique feel. Uh, but we got into that one and just had every product problem imaginable had a actually just i think put out a youtube video about uh, this deal specifically this week or last week but really like broke down <laughs> the pain points of this because there's ton of learning lessons and this was the 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 earliest one so this is the first one that was you know the smallest hardest and like the most expensive from like a um like a capital outlay standpoint and it really helped the others going forward you know because there was learning lessons that, that helped going forward from there. But yeah, this one uh, ended up being a full rehab, you know, uh, full new roof redid probably um, 30%, maybe more of, of the framing. Like we took down a whole wall, like it was a, a, a concrete block wall, took it all down, supported it, and then went back with a, uh, a wood framed wall, treated all the wood, like new plumbing, new water lines, new electrical. I mean, everything is new doors, windows. So that took a long time. I was not expecting that up front. Um, had to bring in uh, some additional capital about halfway through the project to actually get the end and up selling another um, property of my own to put the money into that as well. And, uh, and finally made it through, but yeah, that, that full renovation, full refurnishing. And now it's a really nice, you know, product that's everything's new in there and the maintenance has been very low since the, you know, the response from guests has been very good uh, because it's just, there's not a lot of like each eight, it's eight rooms and each room has, it's like its own, its own theme and it's color palette and like um, different decor. So it's like got a really unique individual feel. And then we've had multiple people come back and stay in different units. So like every unit's, you know, its own little, um, its own little thing. But when we went to furnish that, it was, it, it was previously ran as like a rent by the night, maybe even a rent by the hour kind of place, like just a very, very poor reputation in the area. Like when we went through our permitting process of the building department, it was just a nightmare because they had known the reputation of this property. Um, but what we did is, I mean, 
like I talked about, we demoed everything, changed the layout of, of a lot of the kitchens to free up more space so that we could kind of create, and then when our, for our furnishing plan, we kind of created like natural divides in the room with the furnishing. So it's like a big studio, but you'll, you've got your bed and your nightstand and your kind of desk over one area. And then it's kind of split with the the couch and the, the positioning of the wall and the TV. And then you've got your dining area and kitchenette closet and bathroom in the back. So really like utilizing the space to accommodate, you know, two to three guests that I think are, our average length of stay is like five or six days. So people are staying a little bit longer. Um, you know, whether they're coming for there, I think there's three military bases around, there's a lot of construction. Um, there's a lot of different things that bring people to this area for Walton beach. Um, so it's like thinking about the end guest in mind and what those people are going to want. That's why we did, um, built out kitchenettes in the rooms that didn't have them because we knew that would be huge. Cause if you just have a studio, you have like a whole different kind of guest. You're really kind of commoditizing your markets, just like a hotel room. And then while I stay with you, if you don't have those kind of features, you know, that all the way down to the outdoor space and kind of optimizing the flow there. So that was kind of the, the plan with the renovation, thinking about our guest, thinking about our location with like the beach themed decor. Um, and then, yeah, so I set it up. So, because now you have sort of a, you have single family uh, short-term rentals, and then you, now you have these boutique hotels. Yep. Do, do you feel like there are differences between them? Like in terms of demand, the, the guests that are go like, yeah. it, it, I it, think it, so. it almost feels like it would be different, but I, I don't know. I don't have any. Yeah. I think the, the biggest um, difference we've seen is like, you know, a house we have varying from like three bedroom, two baths, like four bedroom, three baths. They're essentially in the same submarket. You know, they're, those are in Panama city. And then our hotels are in like Panama city beach. That's, you know, 15, 20 minutes away. So we get much more, um, families at the, at the houses, like, you know, they'll bring eight to 12 people depending on the house and, you know, the number of beds in there. And that's great. And then our, our hotels, most of them are studios or one bedrooms. And each hotel, we have, you know, a handful of two bedroom, one bath units. So those get families as well who are looking for something a little bit cheaper, closer to the beach, but not like right in, um, you know, they're right across from the beach, but there's like kind of the central area of Panama City Beach that's super busy. You know, that's where the trucks and cars fly through, blaring their music, the motorcycles go through, revving their Harleys. Um, you know, revving the engine. So we're just a couple blocks off of that, but close enough to everything. So our guests there, you know, typically stay a little bit shorter. It's much more couples. Um, and they're looking for um more of like a amenity packed hotel. So the reason they're not staying as a as a hotel is because we've got the on-site amenities. Almost all of ours have kitchenettes, we've got our pool on site, we're right across from the beach. There's not, there's condos and short-term rentals around there, but there's not like the holiday Inn and different kind of stuff like that necessarily right on the beach in that market. Um, so I think the guest profile is just a little bit different than out in Tahoe. Of course we have, you know, people that are coming from the Bay area and, um, you know, which is a, a short drive away, Sacramento and Reno are you know, an hour and two hours away. So we have uh, much higher rates there and people willing to pay more than we also have two bedroom units there as well that do great and stay full with families. Um, so I think the typical difference between like the boutique hotel type unit and the rental house is like the, um, 
the, like the individualized experience you get with the house. Like you can have that space all by yourself with your family, you know, stay four or five days, maybe even the full week around like certain holidays and especially through the summer and kind of really make that your home away from home. But for these hotels, they're looking for a little bit more. It's like the amenities, the convenience, you know, the, be, the being able to work from home. That's a big one. So a lot of our properties have um, like really fast commercial Wi-Fi. So that's another perk. So um, yeah, it's just kind of like, and each market's different too. Like that's why I talked about Panama City versus South Lake Tahoe. Like your guest profile is very different and you really have to know what in your local area brings people there in the first place. And then kind of look at your property and decide or create that, you know, uniqueness or amenity mix or whatever it is that'll have them pick, pick your place when they come to that market. Yeah, that's, I guess that's maybe what I, where I was going with that question too, is just trying to understand, well, how did you, how, did you know ahead of time? Did you research this? Or you're just kind of, let's put these in place and, and kind of tailor it as we go or maybe it's a little bit of both i guess if you find something that's not working you, ch you change it but I, I, yeah how did you find that out i suppose like how did you realize this is what we want here yeah i think on the on the front so it definitely changes from like the back end when you have the data and be able to look at like the guests that have chosen your place because really before you have guests stay there and get their feedback and reviews you're really just going off a hunch anyway like you can look at you know, market data and what brings people there. But if you're creating something that's, you know, that has its own unique positioning in the market, you're really not going to know until the back end. So on the front end, what we did is kind of, um, I think in both instances, um, the, the, the theme and the design, I guess, in each market is kind of individualized to that market. So like in Panama city, we have kind of light, airy, breezy, um, bright colors, um, all that to kind of bring out like the summer vibe, the beach vibe, um, all those things that kind of people expect when they come to a beach market on vacation or a, or a staycation or whatever it is. And then in, in, uh, in South Lake Tahoe, you know, we've got, um, lake rooms cause we're just a couple of blocks away from, from Lake Tahoe and we've got like more mountain themed rooms, which, you know, we're right across, uh, we're like two blocks from the the trails of the Sierra Nevadas, which are beautiful there too, as well. And then we've got like those pieces mixed in with like ski and snowboard memorabilia and decor, because we've got like the heavenly gondola and three other um, ski resorts within driving distance as well around like Tahoe. So it's kind of finding what your market positioning is and then designing to that and just trying to stick out from the other areas. Like what we did was we looked at you know, other, other condos, other short-term rentals, other boutique hotels and lodges in our area and kind of figured out what they're missing that we could provide with our properties and how we could capitalize on the amenities that we did have and kind of market, you know, in our listing descriptions and our titles and different stuff like that, that the guests would see how we could, um, you know, market and capitalize on those features to the, to attract them to us. And on the back end, um, this is something that we've uh, we've done recently as well, is we've ha hosted, I don't know, 12, 14,000 people, something like that. So we have thousands and thousands and thousands of reviews. And we'll go through there and we'll look at, um, you know, of of course, our, our, our bad and our negative reviews and try to fix those things. But there's also a lot of good data hiding in the good reviews of, you know, what 
your guests find really appealing, what they really like and what resonates with them at the property. And then you can kind of decide like, you know, uh, uh, Pareto's principle, 80, the 80, 20 rule. So like 20% of your guest or the guest type is going to produce 80% of your revenue. So we want to find what those 20% of our best guests that, you know, are easy to communicate with really like the property, you know, like us as a, as a brand or like, you know, as the property manager communicating with them, kind of curating their experience, we want to find what sticks out at each property through our reviews and, um, for, uh, like, Moose and Maple Lodge in Tahoe. That's very family oriented. It's dog friendly. Um, it's close to Heavenly Gondola, close to the lake. So it attracts that kind of group of people. And then something like Bahama Breeze in Florida, um, it's got a, a private gate and a private pool and cabana. So they love the privacy of the security, the location being right across from the beach. It's mostly smaller rooms. So very like couples oriented um, or like people that book multiple rooms for sporting events because they're really close to the the um, um, sports complex where they host, you know, soccer and baseball and softball all summer long. So it's kind of figuring out, you know, the guest type that wants to stay at your property. And then you can then again, change your listings, change your titles, change your marketing to, um, you know, to appeal to those people. And then you get more than you get better reviews. Yeah, that's a great idea. I mean, it's a, just using that sort of constant, constant feedback and using the good reviews to, to focus on those being the, you know, the guests that you want, right? The ones that, the ones that yeah. are going to leave you a good review are the ones that are, are going to make, <laughs> yeah. uh, you don't make... want the bad guests, like right. you know, the, the, the low rates or, you know, you like a, try to appeal to something that's really not your strength and you get the people that expect that to be your strength and it's not, and then they leave you bad reviews. So yeah, we're about finding the the right guest now that we've kind of identified what that e that is mm -hmm. in each market and then each property because it varies differently uh, or it varies slightly based on like the property, even though they're, they're a couple miles away just because they have a different setup, a different feel, um, yeah. you know, slightly different locations. So you have different people that prefer each. This is probably going to be a maybe bigger question than, uh, <laughs> than you're going to have time to go through all of it, but it's interesting to me because you've done, you know, kind of the residential, uh, burrs, sh short-term stays, you've done some multifamily in that, and you've done boutique hotels. So mm -hmm. what do you, maybe I'm sure there's a, there's a large list, but maybe some pros and cons and like, specifically, I'm curious in terms of returns, what do you, you know, if you go on social media, everybody's like, oh, short-term rentals, that's going to, that's going to get you the best cash flow. Probably true. I'm not arguing that point, but there are certainly pros and cons to each of those different asset classes. And I'm just kind of curious what your thoughts are given that, you know, the different ones that you've done. Yeah, I think, you know, starting out with short-term rentals, because that's the one we've, we've been in most aggressively for the last two years. That one, I think, and, you know, I experienced it my first year, that one's got, the quickest potential to get you, you know, to that like financial independence, like the base layer of, all right, I've got more cash flow coming in from the real estate that I own, you know, the rentals that I manage. Um, then, uh, you know, that meets my living expenses. And that that's what happened for us. And, you know, got to the point where it's just replacing all the income. So that one has the ability to get you there faster. Now, I think, you know, the times and, you know, in 2019, when we were doing that compared to now in 2023, you know, those returns have really started to compress over the last, 
year and a half or two years, you've seen hedge funds and private equity companies pop up that have funds to go acquire short-term rentals in various markets across the country. So it's definitely caught on. Um, and we kind of like fell into it and then just fell in love with it because that first guest unit. Um, but now it's become uh, much more, there's just more competition there. Like more people are aware of it. So now like short-term rentals was always a balance of like, is the cash flow worth the extra time? And for a lot of people, that might not be the case anymore. Because you might, you know, go buy a single family house, you know, back in the day and get a 15% return or maybe get a 30% on a short-term rental. Because we typically, for our houses, we had long and short terms and would have anywhere from two to three X of the the cash flow on a short term as we would compare to, to a long term. But now like, you got to look at like inflation, insurance costs, different things, you know, you, as you hold that property, the maintenance might go up. You got to replace furniture over time. And on the, on the buy side, you know, properties are more expensive now, right. interest rates are higher. So there's still a, there's still a play there for arbitrage, I think for sure. Like rental arbitrage going and leasing units uh, from landlords and then subleasing to Airbnb guests and being, you know, your own property manager there. Um, yeah, it's just gotten harder. And then I think, with with multifamily, I mean, there's so and we, we kind of really see this like um, we're like the in between of like the benefits of multifamily and short term rentals because with multifamily, um, you know, you're buying these very expensive properties, you get uh, the depreciation, right? You get the cash flow from it, you get the appreciation over time, you get the the equity pay down as well. So you have all four um, generators, wealth generators there, which in like a rental arbitrage you might not have. In short-term rentals, it's a little bit different because you don't your depreciation isn't as impactful as it is on a you know ten million dollar commercial multifamily building. Um, but we're buying you know anywhere from one to three and a half million dollar boutique hotels so far. You know we've looked at all the way up to fifteen million. Um, didn't get that one at our offer in. Gonna get it. Um, but in the multifamily side, like we're kind of like in between those of we have all four, four wealth generators because we own the real estate. And then we can also bonus depreciate everything we furnish the property with. So from a tax perspective, we're very tax advantaged. Um, so really good for, you know, passive investors who want to get that cash flow in short-term rentals. Then we've also got, you know, more units to gives us more levers on the, like the revenue management side of things of putting premium on uh, premiums on other units we have a lot of data that we can compile to like op operate in the best, you know, in an optimized fashion. So really good from a passive investor standpoint in ours, because you get all that depreciation. And on the multifamily side, again, like interest rates make it really hard. I think there's, there's a case out there for seller financing and, and different things and people coming up on, you know, their adjustable mortgages, adjustable rate mortgages that need to sell that, you know, might need to take cut a loss on, you know, asset A and focus on assets B and C. So they'll kind of cut out that loser, the one that's got the adjustable rate mortgage to save the rest of their portfolio, not completely go under. So I think there's, there's a buying opportunity across the board, um, whether that's short-term rentals or multifamily or, or single family. And then I think like, you know, as far as pros and cons are concerned, when you get into to single family, it's a lot harder, you know, there's not the economies of scale there. If you have, you know, a hundred different rental units in one location, as opposed to, you know, one market, as opposed to a hundred rental units in your apartment complex on, on one site, those all have the same, you know, HVAC units. You've got, if it's one building, you've got one roof, you know, you've got one kind of flooring, one kind of pay, all that kind of thing. So there's efficiency there. 
And it's really hard to, to scale out single family homes, I think, because I started to do it. And I was like, yeah, it's not quite as efficient. You know, I've got to run around to the east side of the county and then over to the beach side. And then I've got to run to Lowe's, you know, do all this different kind of stuff. <laughs> right. um, but the acquisition side is definitely much easier. I think it's the operation scalability that gets a little bit harder. Yeah. Yeah. As with single family. No. Th thank you for that. that. I mean, that's a, that's a really a great sort of overview and comparison of all of those three. And I think it ultimately comes down to, and we talk about this a lot, but it's just like people need to understand what their, what their investment philosophy is, both from a, you know, sort of what they want from returns, whether it's tax benefits or equity or cash flow or whatever, but also the, the time involvement that they want to have in this uh, in yeah. the real estate Yeah, that's space. a big implication, especially as, you know, you and I, like our focus is kind of like the the passive income, live your life, like have real estate be the, uh, you know, the, the <laughs> not the ends as the means kind of thing. Um, and a lot of people can kind of almost build themselves into a job, right? If you don't set your right. portfolio up intentionally, especially, you know, I've seen, gosh, you know, so many like short-term rental operators um, go out of business, especially like just management companies that don't own the real estate. Um, and a lot of arbitragers as well just got out because they didn't have the the bedrock foundation of owning the real estate. So it, it's a hard business to, to do really well. You know, like I can yeah. give, uh, give my experience there. Um, but it, it's hard to do well. And especially when you're doing everything. And luckily we got a, we got to the, uh, the scale where we can have our, you know, our own W2 property managers, assistant property managers, maintenance on site, a director of operations, our back end concierge. So it's not, you know, me or my partner messaging the guests, you know, and doing all the things right. we just kind of got to, you know, we're at that point where we can like focus on the business, make improvements to our processes and procedures, you know, look at new deals, make sure that our you know, operations are dialed in that we're operating from a tax standpoint really well um, and everything from that side. So it, it can be, it can be really hard. And I think when, if you're starting like, um, like single family or something like that, especially if you have no experience, it's, it's really easy to, to get into that game and learn the experience, go through a closing, kind of get your feet wet and even, even do a rehab on the residential side. And once you kind of get to that base level, then you can make that decision and also like find out what you like doing and say, okay, like, am I, am I really good talking to people and giving pitches? Like, cool. I can be a capital raiser and go do a big commercial multifamily. Like, do I just love, you know, like fulfilling people's vacation desires and creating memories and creating cool design, like unique spaces. Cool. Let's go, you know, build out the short-term rental business and get more units and, and do that kind of thing. So um, yeah, I think when you get in kind of at a, at a smaller level, you can, Kind of experience it kind of like I did, you know, you can experience the the benefits of 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 all that stuff and find which one works works for you. Yeah. That's actually a great point. That that the experimenting, you really should do that probably at the at the when you're in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. Yeah, it's really hard to go raise ten million dollars for a syndication and then say, hey, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna Right. Go test this out now. Right. You know, right. And, well, also, thing. I mean, you talked about sort of this team that you've built. It's you're you're now it's a business, right? So it's like, uh, well, I got yeah, I built this business. I'm gonna go mess around and do some, you know, other, you know, Bitcoin mining or whatever, whatever it is, right? It's like you have to you have to get to that point where as you grow, you have to put the systems in place for that scale and that growth. And so it just it becomes 
you want to know that you're going in the right direction to build that business towards, I think ultimately is, is a, it's a really good thing to be, to be cognizant of. Um, <clears throat> Blake, let me, let me switch gears. This is actually really super interesting to me, but uh, I'm sure you have other things to do today too. So let me get to the part of the uh, podcast where I ask you the questions I ask every guest. And the first one is based on the name of the show being know your why. So what is your why? What, what drives you, you know, towards bigger and bigger success? Yeah, good question. I think it like kind of like we talked about at the beginning, it comes from just like, I don't know, my competitive athlete nature. Like when I do something, I want to, I want to be the best at it. And, you know, growing up, we didn't have, have a whole lot. So I felt, you know, the like financial pressures of, of what that feels like to kind of live paycheck to paycheck. So I've always known that, like, I wanted to get into, um, to into business to create, you know, some semblance of abundance for my family, like give them opportunities and, you know, be able to live comfortably. But now it's definitely become much more of like building the, the impact and the brand of the company from our employees and like giving them great opportunities and training and development, kind of fulfilling their professional needs. Um, like that gives me a lot of fulfillment as a business owner. Um, and then just creating like a, a brand and a business that's, you know, respectable from somebody who, you know, has gone through the grind and built it. And I just like creating, you know, like when I'm, um, you know, pull up my computer to, to jump into whatever it is operations wise, or, yeah. you know, I'm doing property walkthroughs and talking to contractors and kind of building that vision of, you know, what each property is I just really like that stuff. So it doesn't, um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like work. So I like to find, um, you know, fulfillment in that. And then also as we built this company, it's allowed me to, you know, spend more time with my wife. And as we, you know, have kids in the next few years and start to build our own family, like I want to be that dad that can be, you know, be there for them and show them like the, the fruits of, you know, the past, you know, couple years, decades, whatever it is at that point of labor and like kind of how that translates into their, you know, their own education and development as well. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, tell us something, something about yourself that uh, isn't common knowledge, special skill, a hobby, something to let the listeners know you a little better. Mm, that's a good one. I, uh, for, a, for a while, I played guitar for a little bit. Um, I always had problems. I like, I don't have rhythm. Like all my friends would, you know, joke about my dancing and just no rhythm. Like I'll be like trying to keep beat and just be off beat. So I cannot, I cannot hardly ever sing and play, but I really enjoyed playing guitar. And, um, when we were packing from Florida, I grabbed my guitar. I was like, I gotta pick this out more. Um, but I also, I also snowboard and ski. I just spent all yesterday and about, uh, my right quad about blew up because it was a powder day. It was like 12 inches deep and I was just leaning back all day, flexing that. Yeah. So really enjoyed doing that in the, uh, in the winter. Very cool. Uh, when people hear this and they want to reach out to you, what's, what's the best way? I think the best way would be to, uh, follow me on Instagram, hit me up there. Um, you know, shoot me a message, a question, whatever you got, would be happy to connect with you there and, you know, um, share my experience. And then I have my YouTube channel that I've been trying to get back to as well. Like I talked about that, that past deal, <laughs> that was, there's a lot in, in the lines there. We could talk for two or three hours about that <laughs> one, but I compiled it on like a 30 minute video. Um, so just trying to, you know, share more of my learning experiences and kind of what we do. Cause there's not a whole lot of people, um, you know, following our real estate strategy necessarily. And I think there's a lot of good lessons there. So hopefully I can help you guys. Yeah. Awesome. Final question for you, Blake. What's what's a piece of advice you would give to someone who's getting started in real estate and looking to looking to um, grow and scale like you have? 
Mm, I think, you know, today on we're recording January 2nd, 2023. So I think right now is a really, really critical time in the market. And I think very similar to how, how I was doing because I wanted, I wanted the repetitions. I wanted to get off to a fast start. Like you have to be putting out the work to get the results, like put out your offers, write your mailers, make your calls, go on your appointments, do all that thing. Because we're in a market right now where sellers are giving concessions, prices are coming down. Like we don't know what's going to happen with interest rates, but it really doesn't matter. Like marry the property and date the rate. You can always refinance later. Like you're not like when you sign a 30 year mortgage or whatever, you're not locked into a 30 year rate. You can refinance later on when rates drop and that'll increase your mm -hmm. cash flow. So like, it's really important. I think to just get started, take the action, especially like if you're brand new, you could go house hack and almost eliminate all your risk because you need a place to live anyway, or anyway. And then you can rent out that other unit and kind of learn how to be a landlord. You can go through the closing process. You can, you know, do any fix up or innovations, become your own handyman and kind of learn, learn that side of it. But yeah, I think right now is a really good time to be, to be taking the action because I think there's, especially like through the holiday season, like I had some, some buddies making a lot of, a lot of deals happen because they were doing marketing when everybody else was kind of taking off. But I think there's a lot of people kind of sitting on the sidelines waiting to see what happens. And that's kind of what we experienced like in the middle of 2020 um, when COVID happened too. And the people that acted scooped up a lot of deals for um, really good prices. So yeah, like those when you buy, right. There's, it's really hard to lose. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely agree. It's uh, you know, that Warren Buffett saying about, uh, you know, <laughs> when other people are scared, be greedy and, and vice versa. Yeah. Something like that. it's just, it's, it's very true. It's, it's kind of, yeah. Don't uh, follow. I think as far as like market timing comes, don't, don't succumb to hive mind. Like when everybody else is scared and freaked out, yeah. like you should be looking for deals, um, putting out offers and, right. you know, like if, if anything, put out really conservative offers that like make you blush, like, no way the seller's ever going to accept it because I promise if you put out enough of those, like you will get offers accepted. Eventually someone will. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be, don't be, you know, careless about it. You still need to do the work right. and, and uh, the, the offers need to make sense. But yeah, if, if you're, if you're, as you said, you know, kind of putting in the work, essentially playing a volume game and saying, I'm, I'm going to put out, you know, if other people aren't putting out offers, I'm going to put out 50. Right. And so you, yeah. you know, if, one of those gets accepted, like you're, you're moving in the right direction. So, yeah. And also uh, when you're getting cool. started, like your, your, your repetition, you're building your skills and experiences, like is the most important thing. Like you're not, I mean, 99.99% chance you're not going to hit a home run your first deal, but you're going to learn so much with mm -hmm. experience. Yeah. So just go out there and get that first deal. Yeah. hundred percent agree. Um, listen, Blake, this, this is awesome. Um, thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you yeah, for your service. You uh, I appreciate, appreciate you. Um, and appreciate, you know, you're sharing your story with us. I appreciate it. Yeah. Jason, thanks for having me. Awesome. Okay. Folks, when you hear this, uh, definitely, um, connect with Blake and go ahead and, uh, like rate and review the podcast so we can get more great guests and happy new year to everyone. Yeah. Happy new year. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey without a strong why it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. 
If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.